we should have had a strongman Randall Flag who is appealing to everyday people with power, with structure, with order, and with a uh, sort of commitment to like look the other way at you know the slavery <laughs> or look the other way at the brutality, look the other way at the crucifixions. Um, because it's all in service to this greater security and, you know, strength and everything else that I am that I am giving you, because that is something we see people still find intoxicating. And they could have actually said something really interesting about this time we live in. Right. You could have had a show about a about a plague that deals with really specific interesting political situations in this country right now and it could have had everybody talking right about how randall flag is a believable dictator and that regular people you know would be would find this appealing the idea that that is sitting there in their laps waiting to be made at a time in which it would have been perfect and it would have been something that i think people would have found really interesting and, you know, maybe there would have been a backlash from some of the worst people on the Internet. But, you know, that can be good, right? It's, it's people mm-hmm. talking about your show. Um, and instead it felt like, well, that sounds maybe touchy or that sounds not as flashy and sexy as I want it to be. So instead I'm just going to go this, like, 12-year-old, like, fantasy about what I thought this would look like. Like, this is the, the silliest version of Las Vegas that I can imagine. And instead they lean heavily into that. Welcome to episode 171 of the Ink to Film podcast, where we read the book and then see the movie. I'm James. And I'm Luke. And this week we discuss Josh Boone's 2020 series, The Stand. Things took a turn in the second half of the show. You know, you alluded to a couple of things that you'd seen online, but um, yeah, things things were different in the second half and um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was for the better. (laughs) Yeah, that's putting it mildly. Um, it's, It's not to say it was all bad. Uh, yeah. there is some, there is some good stuff, which we will touch on. Um, I think we've established in this podcast that we are going to try and come at things optimistically. We're going to give people the benefit of the doubt whenever possible. And maybe sometimes, honestly, we're going to give benefit of the doubt to people that we shouldn't. Um, but we, we tend to err on that side, right? Like, we want to assume people have good intentions and that they're not trying to be, you know, offensive or whatever it is. And we might be seen as naive because of that. And I'm OK. I'm OK with that. I'm, I'm willing to accept that because Absolutely. like optimism is, I think, especially in art is is to be applauded. I would say like you want to like everything. There's no yeah. reason to go in pessimistic about anything. Right. And I'm going to continue to do that because I think it makes for a more enjoyable experience for me. I think that I set myself up to enjoy things more than if I go into it looking like with the knives already out looking to, 
you know, to, to dissect something in sort of a vicious way. Um, so I think it's a healthy mindset. But this show, um, especially in these last few episodes, um, it really challenged that for me. And I felt like today I, I have to say that Josh Boone and everybody who signed off on this version of Trash Can Man in particular that opens episode six uh, should be ashamed of themselves because it is incredibly offensive. He is doing this bizarre caricature, Ezra Miller, who should also be ashamed of himself. Um, and uh, sure, people can divert, divert blame and say that somebody else was actually the one who was responsible for these decisions, but I assume that everybody you know, who is high enough in this show played a role in this and at least okayed it um, because it, it came out, right? And it, it's it's disgusting, honestly. It's like, I can't imagine what I would feel like if I had somebody in my life who suffered from something like that or, or maybe even suffered from isn't even the right term, but like who lived with a disability and to see that turned into this bizarre caricature this like semi-naked man who is like squealing and squawking like an animal. He's got his arm cocked to the side. He's got his jaw protruding and it's just, it's just gross. And it really made it difficult to even engage with the show after I saw it because it upset me so much. Um, and I, you know, I think you would probably back me up in saying I don't typically like to be this sort of forceful in my condemnation because I, I try and give people the benefit of the doubt, but um, I just felt like I had to in this situation. Yeah, it was rough. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was uncomfortable again. And like, uh, like you said, people who were in charge okayed this. And honestly, like something that I was thinking about is like Stephen King got on board to write part of the end of this season. Sure. Like, so like clearly this was somewhat in line with the characters he was writing or something. And and he felt okay enough to be involved in it. Well, we we don't know what his level of control is. Uh, again, maybe I'm giving him too much a benefit of the doubt, but um, typically the writer isn't going to be in the final edit room to decide whether or not something's going to go out in a certain way. That's just not control they give you. Even someone like Stephen King, I can't imagine. And, and realistically, like he wrote it before and got on board yeah. before the performance was was done, but. Uh, I don't know that this is like a big sticking point, but there are a couple other things that went on throughout the second half of this. Sure. Where it just felt like just like complete misfires to me. Like there were mm -hmm. moments where I was like, why, why are we concentrating on certain characters and certain things that really, you know, I felt like there was a, there was a decision made to focus on things that weren't focused on in the book for the sake of focusing on them because there was like sort of less known about them for the book readers and things like that. But then, like, you're losing the essence of the story when you go away. Some of these main characters that, we, that we're supposed to spend time with that sort of have the themes of the story woven into their character arcs are, are done a disservice. And then we go along with some of these other characters. Like, we were with Lloyd way too much, mm. uh, for example. And, like, I don't know. It, it started to become baffling for me. And honestly, by the end of the show... Um, this is not the type of person I am when I watch this kind of stuff, but I was, I, I couldn't hold back my scoffs nearing the end, you know, yeah. as, as things started to, to um, come to a conclusion. And the thing that's the most upsetting to me about this show is that there was a lot of promise in it. And there mm -hmm. are moments of great TV that I think, um, you know, I don't know if they were able to mine those diamonds and, and make a show full of that, 
there's something good here. And yeah. that's upsetting because it is a fun, epic tale. Yeah, there's a good story here. Um, we enjoyed the book. We talked about it, you know, at length. And, you know, we can't enjoy the book as much as we did and not think there's a great adaptation to be had. Um, I know a lot of people enjoy the 90s adaptation, and I'm looking forward to, to delving into that as, in a bonus episode, probably. Um, because I am curious to see another take on this, but I always viewed this as a book that was going to be a very difficult thing to bring to screen, yet the way to go would be to to always focus on characters, being attached to characters, you know, having the audience form relationships with all the characters, mm-hmm. and then through that, some of the more fantastical over-the-top moments will still resonate because it's happening to people that we deeply care about. Whenever they had a chance to compress and condense, they did it to the characters. They were like, yeah, we'll just get rid of that whole part that's very Mm -hmm. important to their development. We'll get rid of this whole backstory. Trash Can Man won't have any backstory. He'll just appear on screen out of fucking nowhere. We'll have mm -hmm. no explanation for what this man is. He seems imagine like not he's reading not the even book. a person. Well, most of these characters and events that go on, imagine not reading the book most and coming to this Most people who show. watch an adaptation will not have read the book. Yeah. Like, that is just always the case. So if you have not read this book and you have no other understanding of it, you are not provided with any explanation for what this guy is or how he got to be the way he is or anything. And, like, I, I'm not trying to say that Stephen King's version of Trash Can Man is perfect in any way. But that version of the character felt a lot more like he had certain sort of triggers and certain um, paranoias and certain sort of schizophrenic things that he would go through. And it was all deeply tied to his past and his backstory, right? And he even goes through an arc of being terrified of Randall Flagg and then being brought in. And then, like, uh, eventually he 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 uh, sort of falls back on his old ways. And then he tries to atone by bringing the bomb. Um, all of that is streamlined, compressed, or completely omitted. And we're just left with what appears to be a creature instead of a person. And that's, again, that's it's a, a particularly glaring example of what was going on everywhere else in the show, too. There was just so much uh, where it felt like they were underserving these characters to where by the end, there were a few characters that I felt attached to and I was cheering for, but it just didn't, the level of depth that you get in the book is just not there. And in, in, in it seemed like they were favoring bizarre things instead when they could have been focusing on the characters more. Yeah, agreed. I, I've seen some stuff online at this point, having finished the show. I was like, I want to see what how people feel about it. And I've seen a lot of people saying that a lot of the characters were miscast. And I want to mm. push back against that a little bit because I feel like for the most part, the the cast wasn't the problem. It was the characters and the and the 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 the, the material that they were given to to like work with. Because for the most part, I felt like you can even like I know people complain against about James Marsden and Stu Redman, and I'm like, nah, he does a serviceable he job, yeah. serviceable job as like an everyman. Like he wasn't mm-hmm. as like engaging as the as books do, but like I thought most of the most of the performances were pretty spot on. And honestly, to that point. Most of the the production value that's in this show is like the editing is there, the cinematography is there. I think I think the show looks great, and I and maybe with a be- like better um, vision for the overall show, mm-hmm. this this is a home run. Yeah, it looks great. 
the production value is there. Um, there's care. There's care all over the show. There's people who care about what they're doing, what they're making. To to talk about your cast point, um, at least of the main characters, I definitely disagree with that. Um, I think everybody was solid to good. Nobody really stands out as great, except for perhaps Harold, although he still struggles at times with how the character was written and some of the disservices they do to him. But I think the guy who played Harold, um, he did a great job. Um, I agree. I, I thought he was a standout for sure. Yeah. Um, I, I guess my one one point where I would agree is Nick, who is not um, really much of a character in these final episodes because he does die very early. But yeah, I mean, we talked about it a lot in our last TV uh, episode um, on episodes one through five. We uh, we both are not a big fan of that. And uh, yeah, I would agree that that's that is a miscast moment, because while I'm not saying the actor's bad, he just doesn't bring what was necessary, in my opinion, for Nick to really work as a character. And then he was written incredibly poorly. Right, right. And we talked about in our, in our first show episode how much more important it could have been to have someone who was actually deaf and mute to play a character like this. Sure. Um, but for me, uh, Nick, in terms of the writing of the show, is one of the biggest slaps in the face to the to the book readers and yep. the people who understood. Because that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about people who are fundamental to this to the story and what what like the overall themes are. This show, the, like you almost can't really pull the. Th- I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't say that because some of the themes are literally told to you, but yep. the things that are supposed to be more subtle, the things that you're supposed to be able to pull out. Um, of the characters and things going on. Uh, Nick was one of those moments where I was like, wow, like when Nick died, I was like, no, I felt nothing. Like I was like, this isn't I was numb. Yeah, Yeah. and and I felt that way about a lot of what happened. And um, people might say, well, you already read the book, so you knew it was coming. But like, that is not the case in so many other adaptations we've watched. And the and the job of an adaptation is to make you feel for people and, and, you know, to use music, to use, you know, whatever you can to make sure the emotion is there. And so often it felt like it was lacking. Yeah, you could argue the other side of that. The fact that we knew that it was coming, they could play on that and really like play up the drama and play up the heartache and build up the character to where yeah. we it, it, it is devastating again. That does remind me, though, the, there was a moment where he's looking at a piece of art that I believe he made. It's like looks like it's him in a boat right before he goes out and, and opens up the piano. And I do remember that being affecting because I felt like I felt a sadness for the character because I knew because, it was coming because so, of the book, though. Right. Mostly. But maybe that was what you were saying, like them kind of playing a little bit with like, well, the people who have read the book are going to know what's right. about to happen. So which I'll isn't really little, fair to, to show bit. watchers, though. Like, Well, it was still a touching moment. I, I, so I watched this whole show with my wife who has not read the book. And has not seen the show. She knew nothing about it. Like the older version of the show. So I did get that perspective throughout. We would talk about it a lot. And I remember her pointing out how it was really sad. How he was looking at that. So so like it did still. Like that part still worked for her I think. Um, yeah. Well I'm glad to hear that, that that it still came through. For yeah. you know. Even if you didn't know. Yeah we're so close to it sometimes. It can be it can be hard to really say. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I do have things that I really liked in these final episodes, so I do yeah. want to get into them specifically. So I think we should sure. move into summaries if you're ready. The sixth episode is called The Vigil. The trash can man arrives in New Vegas, where Flag orders him to use his weapon-sensing abilities to find a nuclear bomb, which Flag plans to use against the Boulder group. 
Tom leaves Vegas to return home. One of Lloyd's men kills Judge Ferris, angering Flagg, who wanted to force her to reveal the last spy. He does figure it out, but too late. In Boulder, Mother Abigail has ventured into the woods to commune with God and atone for her sin of pride and to try and figure out God's plan. She is confronted by Flagg, who taunts and attacks her. Harold and Nadine rig Mother Abigail's house with explosives, planning to set it off during a committee meeting. Joe warns Larry of Nadine's duplicity just as he realizes that the batteries in his walkie-talkie have been removed and his motorcycle has been sabotaged. Franny breaks into Harold's house and finds his surveillance room and explosives. Harold finds her and tries to trap her, but she manages to escape. Joe hears Mother Abigail's voice and finds her in the woods, where she is rescued. Harold and Nadine activate the explosive just as Franny arrives to warn the committee. The blast kills Nick. Okay, yeah, episode six. Uh, this is, you know, one of the most egregious parts when it comes to Trash Can Man, but I feel like we've talked about him pretty well. I don't want to hammer that ho- uh, point home any more than it needs to be. Um, so let's focus on some of the other stuff, I guess. Um, this kind of vision quest, walking in the woods uh, conversation that takes place with Mo- Mother Abigail and Randall Flagg is pretty interesting. Um, you know, he says, I am Legion, uh, mm-hmm. sort of, I think it's right out of the Bible. Um, you know, this is this is a, a famous quote. Um, and then she says, get behind me, you know, and like stuff like that, get behind me, Satan. Um, and he, I think he says like, that's not my name. So like, it's this, they're kind of playing like toying with the idea of like, is he, is he not Satan? Um, which they continue to do throughout. Yeah. And they do it a lot more than I think even the book does. And I think they yeah. go as far as to basically out and out say that he's the antichrist, that Maybe, he is like, yeah. like something like, like, she says something, you know, in a later episode about how he's his father's son. Right. So, so yeah. who's the father. Is it Satan? Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and a lot of the biblical stuff comes in heavily in the show, yep. which I do think is another another point where they're sort of hammering home what is meant to be sort of interpreted. Like there are clear moments where it's like, you know, is Abigail like like, can you say for a for a fact that like the hand of God is actually the hand of God or is it some other force in the universe that is the Christianity God? Or is it to be interpreted? But I think this show is leaning heavily on like, check out all this biblical stuff. Yeah, it's Christianity. God, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I will also say uh, Tom Cullen uh, and th- that performance um, by comparison to Trash Can Man is looking great. Yeah. Uh, it's looking much more nuanced and careful <laughs> yeah. and considered. And yeah. uh, honestly, I, Tom Cullen, I, I think, works for the rest of the show. I, you know, mm-hmm. I, I thought he, he did a good job. I do want to say like something that you that you had said kept sticking with me with Trash Can Man and it's this idea that Trash Can Man is Gollum. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept seeing Ezra Miller's performance as like this like extreme version of a Gollum like creature. Yeah, it's clearly what they tried to do. They tried to make him into a creature. But the problem is he's a human and a, we're not in a fantasy world, really. So it's not going to work the same way. Yeah. But I just kept having that that idea in my mind, seeing seeing him the entire time. And not that it made it better. I just that was just sort of I could understand in a way that they wanted a creature when I think with the text, like knowing what what the like the baggage of what had already been written. That's not a situation where you go creature like if it was an entirely created world and they wanted this person to be sort of. I don't know a, a creature of sorts like you make him part it, demon or something. I don't know. Yeah, like, ma- touch like overtly a creature. Yeah, 
like he's a he's he's a creature before he comes in contact with flag if flag somehow had a hand in doing something like that i don't know i i I, there's a lot that could be done to fix that character but it it would take a complete overhaul um if anything you needed to uh smooth out some of the rougher edges from the adaptation and and they went the other direction it seemed like yeah seems like to me but yeah so bobby terry uh a character who i was not expecting to even get at all or only very briefly um he he does get a prominent scene here where he faces down Randall Flagg, who menaces him, and then he flips him off. Uh, Bobby Terry does, and then Bobby Terry goes and gets in the elevator, tries to escape, and then Flagg is in the elevator with him, and I guess kind of like bite, like eats him like a wolf, it seems like, kind of attacks him yeah, like a wolf. tears his heart out or something at one point. Yeah. Um, this is probably the most prominent bit of violence that we see Randall Flagg perform right uh, mm-hmm. until much later at the very least what did you think of this this bit and, and was it scary did it work for you i liked it up until the elevator like i liked it up until he's in the elevator with him i liked that moment and then he's tearing him apart in the elevator the fight scene was pretty i, I just think it went a little far like i didn't necessarily I, I i think the fact that he was menacing him and he's scared and he gets into the elevator and then he's in the elevator and then you leave the rest implied or to show you don't need to show the fight through through the because I, I don't know. It didn't really work. Great. It looked kind of silly, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. I think I think you just like show him at the end covered in blood and like he walks out kind of thing would have may have made have made that scene work a little better for me. Yeah. But I did like the, the confrontation in the room up until and then the chase, the sort of chase that happens to the he elevator. blows like the door off as he's walking in slow motion after him. And then he, yeah. he you know, the doors to the elevator close before he can quite get on. And then he appears in the elevator which like can randall flag teleport maybe we i was under the impression that he like turned into a dog turned into a wolf or something and like wolfed his way in and then was like that's why he's like low to the ground or something but oh like he snuck in before it got closed yeah Yeah, so it's it's sort of heavily implied if not outright stated in the book that he can shapeshift Mm -hmm. um but we never really saw hard evidence of that I thought show? we kind of, I, I guess we didn't, um, I thought we did see him like transform, but I, like in his like alternate like desert yeah, studio stuff that, world. Stuff that's occurring in the dreams, I, I don't really yeah. count. I, I, I guess you, we saw flashes of what like maybe he really is, but that's different. I mean, like in the book, he transforms into, it seems like he transforms into a crow at one right. point. Um, so, yeah, we don't really get much of that. Yeah. It that probably, would have been expensive. Probably was, would have been expensive. Would have been cool though. You know, there are other things you could have maybe skimped on if you were going with that route. But um, I don't know. It was it was pretty good. Um, something about Randall Flagg, though, really until the final episode, I continued to find him mostly underwhelming. Like I, I there was something about. It felt like he didn't quite demonstrate his power in the way right. that the book version does. I kept, yeah, I kept thinking like it didn't seem like it seemed like he was threatening, but it didn't seem like there was as much lurking under the surface as there was in the book. All we see is him floating, basically, otherwise, right? Like he doesn't Mm -hmm. really do much else. So in the book, for those of you who haven't read it, he drives a man insane by staring at him. The guy starts like babbling and like is completely loses his mind. Um, So there's a certain sort of like unknowable unfathomable darkness going on behind his eyes that is going to be incredibly difficult to get on screen but i didn't get any of that in the show 
for the most part. And that was some of the stuff that I found most interesting about Randall Flagg. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess when I was hoping for more, I was hoping for more hints at like this bottomless well of darkness and and stuff that's difficult to understand. Instead, we got a very animalistic attack. It honestly reminded me a lot of like the vampire, true yeah, true yeah. blood version Agreed. of Alexander Skarsgård and what he's Agreed. done in the past. So yeah, anyway, I thought the same thing. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, I, I didn't Skarsgård wasn't my issue again with that. I think it was more yeah. content. He otherwise he did a pretty good job, and, and in fact was was good for the most part. I, I just I wish they had done more with him. Like I think the potential was there. Um, but let's move on to Harold and Fran because this was a pretty big change. Um, also, we get Nadine um, sabotaging Larry's uh, motorcycle to keep him from going to the vigil. But the change of having Harold actually catch Fran in the act when she's down in the basement. And did you get the like sort of shining reference? I think we're getting here where she's reading the words and like, if she's like turning Mm -hmm. the pages and freaking out and then he comes, there's actually a lot of this sort of larger Stephen King reference universe thing. And it's like cinematic Mm -hmm. references more than it's like the shining uh, carpet is, it's shown off prominently in Las Vegas, I think on a few different episodes. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, honestly, like it, it mostly works. It's a nice little nod to the fans of Stephen King and, and his films. Um, I do kind of wish they would reference more than just The Shining over and over again, but <laughs> for the most part, until until episode nine, like that's mostly exactly. what we get. <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. Like at the end, they do drop like the mother load. They yeah, start well, dropping all the references. Stephen King was wrote the episode, so he found yeah. ways to get it in there. So Harold, uh, as I was saying, he comes up behind Fran, and they have this face to face, this argument, and she kind of seems like she's gonna convince him at one point that he is not. This isn't who he is. And they even embrace and then he he locks her in and he even says, like, this is for your own good or something like so. So what did you think of the change to have both Nadine and Harold decide not to kill two people that they care about? Um, Because in the book, that doesn't happen. The book is is mostly all about those people. Right. You know what I think it was? I think it was the the placeholder for what happens in the book, which is we do get sort of the struggles of these characters. We get them struggling with their attachment to flag and and doing the right thing, doing the wrong thing. And we get the internal thoughts of, of Harold when he's working on the body crew and he's got his friend and he's, his friends calling him Hawk. And we get a little bit of that in the show. Um, but we get the, we get the sense that he is truly conflicted in the book Mm -hmm. um, before the end where it's clear that he was conflicted when, you know, his end, um, and then in the show i think that was their way of being like see like there there is a moment there are moments of doubt and there are moments of them being good in some way so i mm-hmm. and i think that that was what that represented and i liked it i like the changes um because it makes for something more interesting than than cuz without that harold in the show would have suffered i mean he still wasn't wasn't exactly what i would have liked to have mm-hmm. seen from from the character but without that like sense of of conflict he would have just been like this you know, this evil, um, vengeful kid who, who eventually just randomly dies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I I felt like it was a decent to good idea to have this confrontation the way it goes down, but it felt a little bit like a half measure. Um, Harold targeting Fran and her baby, um, is so much more personal and true to life for people like this, I think. Like, the violence 
is almost always directed at the woman in this kind of situation, not like the other man that maybe she has interest in. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea that Harold would want to spare her, bit of a stretch. Usually in these situations, she's the prime target. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you're going to have this situation play the way it does, I would have liked to see more of a physical, um, desperate confrontation in the the basement that maybe even left Harold having to having to leave after Franny got the upper hand in a way and then maybe he's able to escape but he's been injured in some way or something like that like she it would have given Franny a moment to like you know stand up to him and and have agency and fight back um but the idea that he would just go oh you're it's okay for you not to get killed i'm going to kill the rest of them it's fine it felt mm-hmm. uh, that felt a little bit like it went against the character that I knew, at least from the book and, and also what they'd shown on the screen so far. I can see that. Yeah. I mean, she uh, yeah, there there is a, a change that I like with Franny that we'll get to in a, in a later episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then the bomb blows up <laughs> and yes. uh, uh, Nick, Nick, I did like, the, you know, putting it in the piano. It was a nice like the 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 placement of the bomb had a purpose that it doesn't really have in the book like it's just a kind of in our random cupboard or something um mm-hmm. closet or something like that in the book um doesn't make doesn't really matter whereas here it was like a specific location we had been to and reference to mother abigail and all this stuff so i like that change um it looked pretty good yeah i i was i still hold to the fact that like for for myself i just felt really not i was so in shock with like what they were what they didn't do with nick that I was mm. just like pretty. Maybe I should re- rewatch the scene or something because I was just like. Well, and, no, and even if the scene is decent, the problem comes before that, right? Like the but the problem comes with the uh, creation of a character that you care about and how they failed to truly make us care about Nick, uh, in the yeah. way that Stephen King does in the book. Because by the time we get to that point in the book, we love Nick and the. You exactly. Know. I think I'm just a biased Nick fan and I'm exactly. just like really <laughs> upset about the fact that Nick was the character that gets screwed over in the show. Yep. But uh, <laughs> moving on to episode seven, The Walk. Following the explosion, Harold and Nadine leave Boulder on their motorcycles. Harold loses control on a curve and is badly injured. Nadine leaves him there to die, telling him it's for the best. Over the next few days, as he is dying, Harold writes his final thoughts in his journal before shooting himself in the mouth. Nadine meets Flag in the desert, where she finally gives herself to him sexually, and Flag reveals his true demonic form. From her hospital bed, Mother Abigail reveals God's will to Stu, Larry, Ray, and Glenn. They are to travel to New Vegas by foot, and that one will fall on the way there. She then dies peacefully. After saying their goodbyes, the four journey westward. They encounter Harold's remains, and Larry reads his journal before covering his body. While climbing out of a washed-out area, Stu falls and breaks his leg. Larry, Ray, and Glenn recognize Mother Abigail's prediction and go on without him. A short time later, Kojak the dog returns to stay with Stu. The other three eventually enter New Vegas, where they are arrested and taken to Flag's hotel. They are greeted by Nadine, who sees herself as beautiful and glamorous, but in truth is emaciated and ghostly pale. She is also very pregnant. So uh, I thought episode 7 was an improvement um, over what happened in six um i thought this were some of the more memorable scenes um i i thought the 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 four traversing uh the united states together 
was mm-hmm. very reminiscent of the cinematic Lord of the Rings. Uh, oh, which for is, sure. Which is funny yeah. because, it, it, you know, uh, King was referencing the Lord of the Rings books, but here it felt like they were strongly referencing the movies, right? With those, the way those camera shots were and Absolutely. them walking around the, the ridges yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. There's like, so, there's like these like Colorado mountainous re, like ranges where they're, it's clearly like, like sweeping drone shots nowadays, which mm-hmm. were helicopter shots in the films. Um, but yeah, awesome stuff. Like yeah. I, that stuff looked great, I and I liked the sort of montage they had of, of mm-hmm. them traveling. Um, a lot of that stuff is good. But let's jump back to Harold and Nadine. Yeah. And, so and in your death. in your summary, it says he loses control, but I think it's important to point out that a significant change is that Nadine causes the crash. Yeah. In the show, now it's implied that like she kind of knew it was going to happen in the book. Um, I think Flag had told her something to the effect of it, but he, she didn't cause it. Yeah, there's Whereas like oil here. She like speeds up and then she slows down and she ends up getting getting him to 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 crash basically on purpose. Um, and it makes her seem a lot more villainous in this moment where at this point in the narrative in the book, it felt like she was sort of like sleepwalking towards flag um, like she she didn't know that she actually wanted to follow through with it. But it was like, well, if I'm hot committed now, there's nothing else I can do. Um, right. And here it felt a lot more like she was making active choices that were pretty dark. Um, And then that leads to, so the sequence of him flipping over the railing, I actually thought looked great. I I was like, that was a good stunt. That clearly was a real person who, who took a tumble in some fashion. And I thought it looked good. Um, But I thought there was a bizarre choice that undermines this entire episode and is to have Harold impaled by a tree branch. And you, you might say, Luke, why do you care about this? This doesn't matter. Um, but I contend that it does matter because it is extremely important in the book that Harold breaks his leg viciously and his broken leg is a death sentence. That he's left to die, it gets infected, it is really gnarly, and he ends up having to shoot himself because he because of the leg. And the leg alone. That's the only major injury that we hear about. We maybe hear about a couple other superficial ones, but that's the one. Having him impaled, like, gruesomely through the chest makes it very clear that this guy is not surviving no matter what. No matter if, like, an ambulance drove up, he'd probably be in trouble. Maybe. I don't know. Well, but, and, and he survives for days, it seems like, yeah. also. And, and it's fine. You can have a lot of the same effect, but what you lose is the focus on the leg, which is very important for when Stu falls later. Because in the book, I, I pointed out that King is manipulating you into thinking that this is a death sentence for Stu. And maybe you still do in the show but not as much as you would have if you'd just seen somebody else basically die from a leg injury. Yeah, um, I, I thought the same thing when yeah. it was unnecessary, but they wanted it to be sort of cinematic and gruesome and blood spitting and stuff. It's and, frustrating, though, because um, it's it's so much more visceral and um, uh, affecting to me to imagine having a gruesomely broken leg that's starting to infect and that's what's going to kill you yeah well yeah to to know that 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 this is survivable in the normal world exactly like if things are if things are normal but they're in the stand world where it's a dense because you know everything's reverted to there's no there's no ambulance coming you're so it is a death sentence and i think that's very important um you know whereas this seems like it might have been a death sentence regardless um yeah so anyway i won't harp on it too much but i was just frustrated by that change um we do get a lot of similar beats with Harold, although 
it felt like he didn't quite arrive at the same place he does in the book where he like truly takes ownership of what happened and, and, and sort of realizes that he created all these problems for himself. Um, and, and he kind of has a moment where you again, pity him and you, and you recognize how much he's been manipulated to into this position. Um, it, it, maybe you still, bl- you, and you do still blame him, but like, I don't know. It, it felt like they were going for a bit of that in the show, but it didn't quite get to the same spot. Was that yeah. your read of it? Too? I mean, I agree. He he said the things that he was supposed to say, but do we, do we really believe that it was like he really meant it in that moment? I guess so. Like he said, like he seems sort of like sneering and stuff still towards the end. Like he still seems yeah. full of grievance in a way. Like that's where I think the performance didn't quite land. And that's why I was hesitant to give him the glowing grades all across because I, I wanted to see a Herald that is more... He who is aware of what he's done to himself and has a moment of like self-reflection as he's mm-hmm. left there. And I think that we do get that in the book and, and, and we got, we kind of got it in the show, but it, it, yeah. it, it felt like he was still very much the Herald that we know and, and expect when he, uh, when he ends up killing himself. It just felt like he died and he was upset that he was dying and yeah, kind right? of regretted stuff. But I, yeah, agreed. Then we, we get Nadine uh, and flag in the desert. Yep having sex slash in his always, always going to be a very difficult scene to put on screen. I think um, we talked about how it, to me it's, it's, you know, one of the most troubling, upsetting, triggering scenes in the book, but also one of the scariest. And um, this version, you know, it comes kind of close, I guess it's tough to say what I would have definitely done differently. I, the, the, the idea to have her sort of like, imagine that she's in las vegas what while actually being in the desert and it all becomes part of this sort of illusion that he's cast on her i guess it was fairly clever but i was confused about like where she was where he was and can he teleport again the question comes up <laughs> yeah i guess he can Pre- teleport because he teleports fly. from the side of the road to being in the back of uh, campion's car the very first episode so i guess he can but i don't know why he i'm never clear more. i'm never clear on on whether he's actually doing that or, or it's like a projection yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah i'm never like fully clear but but yeah agreed it seems like he definitely can at least like project himself across distances mm-hmm. that i don't know if he can impregnate people across distances yeah. distances because that's but... the thing like he actually comes to her in the desert it's very important in the book whereas it felt like he was actually in las vegas to me but i don't know maybe Not i'm sure. wrong yeah, some sort of demon magic is going on. Yeah. Uh, I thought I I didn't expect them to show a demon a demon flag. Um, what did you think of the, his, his sort of demon form? Um, it was. I will give it a B minus as far as like yeah. scary looking demon flag. It was fair. Yeah, I would say it was pretty fair. It it was. A, it could have been more. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a sort of a CG creature I'm, that somebody I'm, created. Yeah, I'm not a demon maker. You know, I'm not somebody who who's you know good at these sort of things. So like, I, you know. I'm sure whoever made it did a good job and, and, you know, was, was held back by certain restrictions, but yeah, he just kind of looked like a modeled dark. He looked like an thing. You know what he looked like to me? Like a burnt unwrapped mummy. Yeah, definitely burnt. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. No, anyway, that's flag, I guess. But so Nadine is like convinced she's all like made up and looking fine and like beautiful. And so this is a big change from the book where she is, essentially driven mad and 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 um reduced to being almost catatonic and immediately i think recognizes how big of a mistake she's made whereas here she's like kind of on board with it and 
um, thinks she looks different than she does, which, by the way, and my wife pointed this out, Corpse Bride is what she looks like at the end. It's like she does. it's 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 just, a good, it's, just good it's just makeup. It, it she doesn't actually look that bad. Like you were saying, emaciated and whatever. Like she just looks like she's got Corpse Bride makeup on, like she's doing a Halloween costume. It actually mm-hmm. looked kind of bad to me. Um, but you know, sure, that's what they went with. I, I do want to, I guess, I guess, touch on Mother Abigail actually dying. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think the scene did what it was supposed to do. Nothing, nothing really stands out to me as as super significant in terms of it being different from the book. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, she dies right away instead of I think sometime later. Um, she doesn't heal Fran here. Yeah, um, but I think which that, is a that, reference for later. I think that gets saved for later. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so honestly, it, might have been a good idea though, to do some sort of healing here it was, just to it, set it up. It was important in the book, right? Because it it is sort of them recognizing the true power that she has and and going, well, she just healed someone in front of us, so we better just completely give in to her or not give in, <laughs> like uh, commit to our faith and and be willing to follow her her instructions, you know, as they yeah. end up doing. But it was it was it was fine, you know, and, and, and again, it led to one of the better sequences in the entire back half of the show. Um, they're they're traveling, which was fun. And I wish had gone along a little longer. It's, it's not a very long section in the book either, but I, I kind of yeah. wish there was a little more there. Just that actually makes me think about something thoughts that I had. And then I also saw people talking about it online. Like if you if you flesh this out and allow us to spend more time, yeah. you know, multiple seasons, I think it should have at show. least been two two seasons. Agreed. Yeah, I think it's and it easily could have been. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that you possibly had restricting you was that you had this pretty star studded cast that would be hard to get back for a season two. But yeah. if you do it well, everybody will be excited to come back and it'll work out. But yeah, yeah, more time with these characters, more time to, to sort of live in the trauma. And especially we talked about it, but I, the first half of this story in King's book and in the show is the most exciting part to me. I, yeah. I think it's the most it's the pr- that's the premise being set up. It's so important. It's, Right. Yeah, it, it's the I think it's the most interesting thing pe- for people to get on. Well, board and with. talk about character groundwork being laid like that's by far the most exactly. important. Like that's when you that's when you truly bond right. with all the main characters. Yeah, pe- even and to go back to the book, people talk about Stephen King and his endings. And honestly, like the stand is the, uh, the ending was the thing that I probably liked the least about about the stand as the, the, the journey and the characters and everything that was set up before I liked more. Mm. I still enjoyed the end, but it, it did feel like a like it felt like it had certain elements to it that I was like, oh, man, like it, it didn't quite hit the payoff that I thought that it might. Yeah. Um, but I still overall enjoyed the book regardless of that. And I think that this show suffers from that a little bit. The fact that like the ending was a little bit less satisfying than I thought it would be in the book. So the material they were going off of was already set in that way, but then they just they just made some bizarre decisions yeah. to spend time what do they call them? characters. Own and... goals where you're, you're scoring points for yeah. the other team. That's essentially what they're doing here at the end with some of this stuff. Las Vegas in, in general is a complete mess. Uh, I, I still inc- just vehemently dislike the 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 path they chose to go down with how they wanted to depict Las Vegas and what Randall Flagg's rule looks like, um, I thought it was a huge missed opportunity, which like, okay, so they're, they're, they're pulling him into town here and, you know, we see like, there's at some point there's like children beating a man with like a hockey sticks and stuff um, as they're driving by. Um, I don't know. This is, well, let's, let, yeah, it's such a let's weird... jump to, 
It, it's a it's bizarre. It went from being bizarre and kind of campy for me to like you said being just like entirely like wasteful of the time and effort of a lot of the story yeah. that was being told. We're about to get a lot more Las Vegas in episode eight, so maybe we should yeah. wait for it there. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about um, them finding Her- Larry and everyone finding Harold's remains, and then Stu breaking his leg. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, Larry is the one instead of Stu that seems to have a final moment with Harold. And I was okay with that change because I felt like they did a good job selling how much Larry cared about him through the fact that he followed him across the country. The problem is we didn't see enough of him actually doing that. You know what I mean? Like uh, we saw yeah, it, it like here and a there, couple scenes. but like yeah. imagine if we had actually spent a bunch of episodes where we didn't know who Harold was maybe. And we just saw Larry, Larry following his words or something like that. Um, and yeah, instead it was a couple of flashback scenes interspersed with other stuff. So it just didn't land quite as well as it could have. But the, the idea there I think is good and I think it works pretty well. Yeah. I like giving the scene to Larry cause he, when he, when Stu did it in the novel, I remember thinking like, of course Stu would do that cause he's going to be the bigger man there and, yeah. and like do the, do the, but like, I didn't care that Stu didn't do it. You know, it didn't right. bother me. I was like, and then Larry it stepping into it, I was like, that's a moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It gives Larry another moment to, to, to be important. Cause I feel yeah. like I, I will as, say leaving your jacket behind is probably a bad decision. Yeah. Especially in the, the that climate yeah. and that region yeah. of the country. Yeah cover them in something else maybe not your uh, only leather jacket <laughs> i totally agree yeah it's like wow you're gonna absolutely you're gonna regret that but i i understand the the sentiment is there yeah, right? that's yeah, the leather jacket that we see the entire show that he's wearing and yeah. like that's like so it was a sacrifice made by larry but mm-hmm. yeah agreed um and then Stu falling and um I thought this whole sequence was very reminiscent of like the stairs in in mordor like oh with, yeah with frodo and yeah. sam and 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 Colum and they're like like going up and going down situation um, i like how they it, actually had the dog like bounding up and down looking like pretty effortless i was pretty i, I was impressed i was like that was a good you know stunt by that dog they yeah they trained well, him well. um dog yeah that dog was good um kojak was great in the show um you know maybe not quite as great as as, as book kojak but that's because we don't get a kojak point of view section <laughs> imagine imagine we get like you know how there's like the fly episode and in, in breaking bad like there's these these specific episodes in some shows that are like a complete departure imagine we get like an entire stand episode so that's like, you're saying a like departure a departure of kojak episode oh i thought you were gonna say a bottle episode of of stew and kojak in the in the canyon i mean you could do it i would have been i would have been fine with that yeah that's that's a fun exciting idea yeah um i mean they didn't have enough episodes to do that didn't i would have, have i would have if we if we had multiple seasons i think that would be a great idea but uh just a kojak centric episode where we're <laughs> literally like pov sometimes it's kojak you know like and... like uh like you, you saw lost right yeah they used to always do like they'd pick a main character to like follow maybe two and then every right. now and then you'd get characters who would only appear for like that one episode um mm-hmm. so yeah like having a kojak episode where you're just following kojak the whole time it's like this is kojak's episode that and, cool. the, and then like you said they run into he runs into some survivors out there surviving in the woods on their own like to to give us that other perspective to peel back a layer of the onion kind yeah. of thing yeah yeah well they didn't do any of that but um it, it worked pretty well um nadine meets them in the in the hotel which is a change um and mm-hmm. we can get into more of like the changes with her character because um they do some more pretty significant ones yeah in this episode. So yeah. episode eight is The Stand. Glenn, Ray, and Larry are put on trial in front of a large public gathering. Glenn mocks Flag and the crowd's fear of him. Lloyd shoots and kills Glenn. Flag appears weakened by these actions. Ray and Larry are separated. Nadine visits Larry to try to get him to understand his situation. He shows Nadine her own reflection, the shock of which causes Nadine to go into labor. 
Realizing that she was never meant to live after giving birth, Nadine throws herself out of the window to her death, angering Flag at the loss of his son. Larry and Ray are to be drowned in a swimming pool. Larry declares that he shall fear no evil. Slowly, some of the residents begin to join Larry in his chant, and Flag begins to lose his grip on the crowd. Trashcan Man arrives with a nuclear bomb, a mysterious storm cloud which the men identify as the Hand of God, forms above the hotel and emits bolts of lightning that kill everyone present, finally destroying Flag. The lightning then detonates the nuclear bomb, obliterating all of New Vegas and everyone in it. Stu, from far away, witnesses the explosion as Tom finds Kojak and follows him. Back in Boulder, Joe feels Flag's death, and they see the red glow of the explosion to the west. Franny goes into labor. A lot happens in this episode, but let's back all the way up to the beginning and sort of take it in chunks, right? Um, let's talk about the trial scene. So this scene was really over the top. Um, there is a interesting sort of goth fetish um, aesthetic that they decided mm-hmm. to go with for Vegas in general, but especially certain characters, um, one of which is the the judge here, who we see as sort of the lead entertainment person. Um, this, I think, gets to its most extreme when later on we're having the sort of delivery scene and there's like a complete goth fetish nurse there. And it's like, does she wear this all the time? Like She's got like a red cross, a on, cross her, on her, her as her lipstick. And it's, like, yeah. it's, it's like, what is happening? It's very <laughs> odd. Um, and again, it, I just don't like the way that it is like, see these people? They look weird. They're bad. Um, yeah. Again, it just felt weird. And then, and then backing that up, there's a few normies in the crowd, isn't there? They're starting to have doubts. There's an old man who looks pretty normal, and he's kind of like half-hearted in his chanting, and he looks like he's having some doubts. And oh, look at those old women, women that look fairly normal. They're not in fetish gear because all the fetish gear people are completely bought in because uh, yeah. they're degenerates. And, and so, it, again, it, frustrating, you know, and... Um, I kept laughing when they kept showing this run random guy having doubts in the crowd. He just looked completely out of place. Um, yeah, it was it was just very on the nose, like no subtlety at all. Agreed. This is this is what I was talking about with like the scoff started to come. Mm-hmm. They started to roll in, and I couldn't I couldn't stop them. rolling your eyes. Uh, right. And the I don't know. There's there's some fun being had by the cast. There's some fun being had in the production. I think like this this court scene. I think is a cool moment for Glenn. Um, I, you know, I think it kind of gets the same sort of thing done as the, as the jail cell scene when he does egg Larry into killing him. He's, I think it's, uh, maybe it's just that what's being said is supposed to make the audience get on board with what Glenn is saying is like the mm-hmm. power, like the, the, these, like he only has as much power as people give him. Um, and in that way, so instead of it being more subtly implied that we pull from the scene, he's out and out saying like, guys, this power comes from your belief in him and and your worship. Mm -hmm. And, uh, then it starts to break down, uh, which is smart on Glenn's part. He's identified that reality. And so it feels like he is trying to make a public display of questioning flag because he either intuits or understands that that is where he's drawing his power from perhaps. And he wants to take that away. Um, I think that all works. Um, there's a couple other interesting changes here. Lloyd, who we've already talked about in the previous episode, he's, he's a very different character in this version, but I felt like the changes they made to the character work best here when we see his sort of doubt and his fear and his reluctance to kill, to kill, kill Glenn. Um, that all works pretty well. And I buy it from this, the version of the character that we're seeing here. 
Um, the thing that I was a little frustrated with, though, uh, was Glenn doesn't get to say that shit to Randall Flagg's face, which yeah, I true. loved in the book. It felt like a really yeah. cool moment for Glenn to like stare down the Antichrist, if that's what he is, and say, you know what? You're not very impressive. Fuck you. And in doing that, it kind of feels like it robs him of the power in the moment. Like he has to have Lloyd shoot him right in the book. He says, Lloyd, shoot this guy. Like he he can't. It's like, does he not have the power to do it in that moment? Because he never had someone question him to his face like that. Yeah. Um, it does. It, it's a it's really interesting to me, like how sometimes he can shoot plasma balls through people's faces. And then other times he's like, kill that guy for me. Yeah. Which I, I assume is is the the lack of belief right like sort of depowers right. him he and, and he does like sort of stop levitating at the end of the scene but i i just i i missed the like face-to-face that glenn got in the book um which you know that it, otherwise that's fine um i did think the whole show trial thing maybe went on a little bit long was a little bit of a too much of a farce it, it plays into this whole mentality they had with vegas all the time where like everything was over the top it was a complete you know, oh, so one of the things that I also really frustrated me about it, everybody gets shocked when Lloyd shoots a man in front of them. These are people who've been watching literal blood sport to the death uh, frequently in their, like, fuck den right in the middle, and there's corpses being hauled out by on chains and shit, and, like, they're going to be shocked some guy gets shot? I didn't buy that at all. And the reason is, because that's not the Las Vegas we know. That's a throwback to the book. So... Uh, I don't know. Do you want to say anything else about this? Because I have a soapbox I want to get on again for you know, a third or fourth time in this episode about Las Vegas. Um, I've been building up to it. Are you ready? No, I mean, I go go for it. So I, I do want to talk about Nadine after this. Okay, so it's a missed opportunity. Las Vegas in the book is repeatedly compared to Nazi Germany or Germany under the Nazis and how its order, its structure, and its sort of security that flag imparts and and commands that people find appealing. They should have leaned into that for the show. We should have had a strong man, Randall flag who is appealing to everyday people with power, with structure, with order, and with a uh, sort of commitment to like, look the other way at, you know, the slavery or look the other way at the brutality, look the other way at the crucifixions, um, because it's all in service to this greater security and, you know, strength and everything else that I am, that I am giving you because that is something we see people still find intoxicating. And they could have actually said something really interesting about this time we live in, right? You could have had a show about a, about a plague that deals with really specific, interesting political situations in this country right now. And it could have had everybody talking, right, about how Randall Flagg is a believable dictator and that regular people, you know, would, be, would find this appealing, the idea that that is sitting there in their laps waiting to be made at a time in which it would have been perfect. And it would have been something that I think people would have found really interesting. And, you know, maybe there would have been a backlash from some of the worst people on the internet, but you know, that can be good, right? It's, it's people Mm -hmm. talking about your show. Um, and instead it felt like, well, that sounds maybe 
touchy or that sounds not as flashy and sexy as I want it to be. So instead, I'm just going to go this like 12 year old like fantasy about what I thought this would look like. Like this is the the silliest version of Las Vegas that I can imagine. And instead, they lean heavily into that. Yeah, I think you're right. That that idea of having someone radicalize everyday normal people. I think could have worked a lot better, especially in this in this time period. That's it's a good point to make. It, and like what you're saying is basically what networks end up doing, right? This is CBS like trying to this is a premiere show for CBS. So as much as they're going to show some nudity and violence, um, they want it to be marketable to all demographics mm-hmm. and stuff. You know what I mean? Like that's that's the sad truth about about some of the network stuff. Yeah, but I um, mean, if we've learned anything, I would like to think that we like taking artistic risks i think it's so important right like you can't just do the do the like easiest thing and 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 pull the the simplest you know broadest appealing thing all the time like that those aren't the shows that people remember those aren't the things that are getting nominated for awards those aren't the things that are generating you know tons of discussion you know it's so it's just it's just a missed opportunity yeah i agree the I think studios are getting wiser to that. I hope at least. Yeah. I think there's been a sort of movement in they that direction, be. but but there is also the status quo, unfortunately, mm-hmm. of what what it's been for a long time. And hey, and uh, that's just my I you know give a, give us a a writing credit on one of these shows, and maybe we can, <laughs> maybe we can fix it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. We, we can come be consultants. So, so Nadine. Yeah, let's talk about Nadine. So uh, she has changed dramatically. She is sort of in the thrall of Flag still, believes that she is going to be a queen. And she is sort of shaken out of that by Larry. And then, you know, she goes into labor. And we have the scene where she says, you know, you're going to, I was never going to survive this. And it's essentially confirmed by Flag. And then she kills herself. And this is a subtle, but I think important change from the book, right? Like she, in the book, hates Randall Flagg. She comes to hate him and resent him and to want an escape from the hell that her life is going to be. I don't think we get the implication that she knows she's going to die after childbirth. She just feels like she is in a living hell. And she realizes that she's made all these mistakes and she can't continue to follow through with his plan because she's giving him exactly what she wants. So she truly turns on flag in the book. Whereas here, this feels selfish. This feels like, well, almost petulant. Like, you know, if, I, if you're not going to let me be queen, then I'm just going to kill myself. And, and, and it sort of caps off what I thought was like a sort of a, a, a missed... Uh, direction a miss a missed um character moment and a character arc for nadine where mm-hmm. she uh, isn't as i don't know like sympathetic as she is in the book at times um so by the time we get here like i don't give a shit about nadine like fuck her like she's mm-hmm. terrible and and I, I i don't think i ever quite got to there in the book like i still felt bad yeah. for her in the book, she's much more of a character in service of Flag, and I think it's still the case here. But they they sort of did this move where they're like, let's give Nadine agency where she does something. She you know she is they turned her more into a villain character, and she kills Harold indirectly kills Harold, and then in this moment, there's the moment in the book where Flag kills her, and it's sort of that it's sort of the theme of the story, right? Like man 
creating its own destruction and man like that full circle sort of thing well and, and so flags flag rage. flag kills yeah flag kills her which is sort of that full circle he yeah. he brings out his own destruction there and in this situation you're pulling that away from the from the sort of story circle that yeah. we have going on well and, and, yeah because like it, it says something about evil and like how it it is like inherently going to lose control or something right like it, yeah there's something being said there that is all lost when you when you change it so i just felt like again themes within the book that sort of makes sense for the overall story are being changed maybe for the sake of changing them and again i think making nadine a more complex character maybe not even more complex but more giving her the decision to kill herself is kind of giving a character agency more than having her killed by flag yeah but she she completely manipulates flag into doing it though so it is still a, a, you know what i mean like i i don't think she doesn't have agency in that in the book version yeah, you're right. That's true. I mean, I'm not saying that someone didn't think that, but I would disagree with them if they if they claimed that because I think both versions show some agency. It's just um, it's her relationship to Flag and why she's doing it that I think is different there. But um, we we we're going to move into the the final scene here, the bomb scene, the hand of God scene. Um, but first, we got to talk about Randall Flag's dance moves. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it got into the point of campiness to where I was just like fine with whatever happened. And I was like, just like, show me how this is going to end. Because yeah. like it, it, I, the second half of the show became tough, tougher for me to watch. Like it was, it was never like, oh, I, I want to shut this off. There were moments where I was like, all right, let's, yep, you're doing it. You're hitting the bullet points. Let's go through the story. And like, I, I mean, moments of character like that, it's weird and it's like off the wall, but I'll take it over bland bullet point hitting i guess you know i'll take some dance moves every now mm-hmm. and again from unexpected dance moves i was fine with it yeah uh that wasn't the thing that bothered me in the scenes it felt like a remnant of this where they were trying to have like a version of flag that like loves this fetish aesthetic and you know this sort of like over the top just zaniness um, but it, it didn't always quite square with the version that we were seeing all the time. So when all of a sudden he burst into dance, it, it felt very out of the blue. It was a funny moment. I laughed, but, mm-hmm. um, I would have hoped that if you see the character dancing, it would have been like more frightening in a way. Like, I don't know, like, 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 uh, what's his name? Mr. Blonde, like dancing in Reservoir Dogs before he cut chops the guy's ear off. Like he's dancing, but it's fucking menacing. Um, right. and instead this was just kind of a joke, which felt a little weird. Yeah, I agree. This, so we're, we're to the, to the end here, uh, of this, of this episode. episode. Yeah. The hand and of God. So, the hand of God. The hand yeah. of God. Uh, this, oh yeah. Well, I, I want to know what, I feel like I've been talking a ton. So like, tell me what you thought of this final scene. I thought it was a weird choice to have the hand of God start like ripping people apart with lightning lightning that essentially like bug zappered people vaporizing people (laughs) yeah yeah weird weird thing what did it remind me of oh i remember it it, it reminded me of war of the worlds the the new version getting zapped out of their clothes clothes into dust yeah that's what it was reminiscent (laughs) of yeah i can see that um it just was weird because and, and like i get that they wanted it to be a bigger longer action scene like sort of epic moment but i think the the more epic moment would just be like this starts happening the bomb starts going off everyone runs frightened and then it goes off and then we just like stay in shock for a little while 
And I think like with with the bomb going off in this this version that we get, uh, you know, there's so much build up, so much crazy shits going on. People are getting vaporized. There's like the sign like knocks Lloyd's head off mm-hmm. uh, in like a funny like like sort of like seesaw moment. It, like yeah. goes backwards, kind of kind of like and... uh, like a Final Destination or something, right? Yeah. yeah. And and for so like the I, I would have something that bothered me was like the bomb went off and then we immediately start cutting to Stu. We start cutting to Franny and everybody seeing it. It's like, let the bomb go off and just like, let us look at the devastation and let us think about it for a little mm, bit as the audience sit with what just, just happened. Like, yeah. Right. And, and like, I think we got a lot more buildup and a lot more people getting just like final destination <laughs> yeah. deaths all over the place, like dying in crazy ways. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so before it all goes down, we do see Larry and Ray, uh, handcuffed together in the pool as it's starting to fill, and then we see Lloyd refuse to execute them. I believe is what he says no to. Um, he he stands up to flag, and that enrages flag. So that is kind of similar to a moment that happens in the book, although it's not Lloyd who does it. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that worked pretty well. I yeah. also liked how Larry and Ray are. Now I saw this elsewhere, so I won't take full credit for it, but. They are essentially kneeling together with their hands handcuffed together in like a prayerful motion and to where yeah. when they die, they're literally on their knees sort of praying together um, underwater, um, which is kind of insulating them from what's going on. It doesn't save them, but I don't know. Maybe it's not quite as terrible. I, it's tough to say. One of the things I noticed, though, is that this ball of energy, which is like basically right out of the book. Um, but its origin is different. It right. comes down out of the cloud, whereas in the book, it comes out of flag. He shoots it into this guy's face. So in the mo- in this version in the show, it would have been shooting it into Lloyd because he's the one who stands up to him. If it was this, you know, a similar situation, shoots it into Lloyd, gruesomely would have burned and destroyed his head, and then it rises up and starts to. Um, menace and maybe even kill some of the people who are having doubts about flag and it seems like flag's power and again is a moment of like holy fuck flag is super powerful what is this guy capable of and then the hand of god uh basically comes down and slaps it (laughs) it's kind of my my reading of it it comes down and it's like uh deflection it's gonna slap that ball that you've summoned flag and put it back down onto the bomb and so um, it deflects his own sort of evil power into the bomb, to, to which goes off and, and is his final end. So it sounds like a, a minor thing, but like it's a little different than just God coming down and obliterating him, which is what happens here. Well, it's, and it's also God coming down and obliterating other people, yeah. like like just like zapping everybody all over well, the place. But yeah, I like what you said, because he, again, is that moment of flag created his own destruction again yeah. in, in a way like whether you know god's hand did force it in that way but it's still his energy his energy turns back created. on him right yeah um yeah. yeah it's less of a like vengeful like lightning bolt shooting god and more of a god who is is willing to use this this energy against the creator of it he's like t- he's tipping the scales yeah he's not like He's not really influencing that much other than creating a giant cloud hand and slightly pushing an energy ball into a nuclear bomb. I've said it a bunch, but missed opportunity to not have it look like a dog paw, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As a reference to our last episode, if you listen to that. Um, So, trash can. 
he brings this bomb and in the show it seems to be like flag wanted him to get the bomb but he was supposed to bring it to the air airfield instead of to him and so it was just like a mistake that that trash can makes at the end in the book it, like he kills some people he sabotages some stuff in retribution over feeling like he's being bullied then he goes and he gets this bomb as an offering as an attempt to ingratiate himself and show that he is a, a believer and um, as a gift for flag flag doesn't know it's coming and then it arrives and that's when he's like oh you fool you know you brought this here but like that's more interesting to me even though like both are you know maybe not the greatest setups for a final thing but like this version just i don't know it, it continued on the line of bad trash can man decisions um and then i don't know man i know we're in a show with lightning balls and god hands and stuff but like i i don't think you could just like zap a warhead with lightning and it's just gonna explode like that like i don't know but then again i kind of do and i don't think that that's how it works i i genuinely don't know i assumed that if you heated it up it could blow up i i don't know i don't know how these things work i'm not a nuclear physicist yeah i i've yeah i i won't say with confidence but i'm pretty sure that it wouldn't work that way let's just say that gotcha um well busted busted Stephen King yeah I got you man lightning won't set off a new tell me I'm Adam Savage <laughs> busted myths um, anyway uh, again kind of thing I'm only going to quibble with because the show is not better um, if it was if it was better I'm sure I wouldn't care <laughs> yeah speaking of which let's go into the last episode which I didn't care that much for uh... <laughs> interesting I-, I thought this was one of the better ones we covered here at the end yeah. Okay. So I'll I'll give you my reasons why. But okay. episode nine is the circle closes. Wait, wait, wait. Before before you read the summary, this is the just for everybody who maybe doesn't know. This is the episode that Stephen King wrote, and he has said in interviews um, that this is an ending that has been like rattling around in his head for like forty years, and he's in. This is something that he's finally decided he was going to put out there and so a lot of right. stand fans are were very excited and are very excited for this episode okay go ahead. which you you kind of just set me up for the stuff that i'm going to say in a little bit yeah but, uh, so episode nine the circle closes franny gives birth to a girl whom she names abigail after mother abigail the baby catches captain trips but recovers and more babies are born who are also immune to the disease Stu, Tom, and Kojak eventually return to Boulder. Several months later, Stu, Franny, and Abigail leave Boulder to head back to Maine. Passing through Nebraska, they stay at an abandoned house in the midst of a cornfield, which is being watched over by a young girl. While Stu heads into a nearby town to get more supplies, Franny is frightened by the spirit of Flag. She falls down the well and is badly injured. Franny awakens in a jungle where Flag offers to heal her and return her to her daughter if she agrees to be his agent. She refuses and flees, but encounters Mother Abigail's spirit who prophesizes that she will become a mother to five children. Stu returns and with the help of the little girl, who is implied to be a young Mother Abigail, rescues Franny. The girl heals Franny's injuries before disappearing. At last, Stu and Franny arrive in Maine and ponder their and theirs and humanity's future. In some unidentified place, Flag, taking a new appearance and a new name, appears before a primitive tribe and demands their worship. So a lot of the same stuff from the end of the actual, like, expanded, uh, unabridged, whatever, version of the novel that we read, except for it has this extra section with Fran. Right. Um, so before we get to the extra section, though, I want to I back up to Boulder, 
um, and talk about yep. that because I actually really liked this little monologue. Um, it's not really a monologue because Franny's essentially talking to her unborn child, or I guess recently born right. child, <laughs> um, which we get in the book as well. We do. She's like writing, but something. the fact that we get it directly here, it feels like it leans into Stephen King's actual writing because um, Stephen King's writing this episode, and I felt like it was one of the more affecting emotional moments that we've had in the entire show. I thought it worked really well, and I was immediately sort of impressed, and it felt fresh. It felt different than some of the writing we'd gotten elsewhere. It felt stronger. Um, so in that sense, uh, I liked the opening, and um, we, moved, we do move into her decision to leave Boulder pretty quickly, um, and we aren't really shown any evidence for why she wants to other than a brief scene where we see some some of the like guardsmen sort of arming up with, and picking up guns, which is all we really get in the book too, but... Um, I would have liked to see some more evidence of like why she feels like she needs to leave Boulder. Um, it still just seems like a bar- bizarre decision to, to me, but I don't know. What, what did you think? Yeah. All right. I want to talk about the good first. Mm-hmm. So I liked that the show made the decision to make Franny the leader when everyone else left. So yep. she became the the sort of acting leader. Um, they leaned into that. That that's what the book needed, sort of, to to give her something to do at the end. Because we talked about in our in our. And, and some of this other stuff that happens is nice as well. Just to give Franny some closure because it felt like she was a really important character that was sidelined for the third act yep. and then and then really didn't we have We talked about it in our last episode, that that was something yeah. that we felt like she was lacking. So I did like that. And I liked, I agree, I, I, the part that she's sort of, the, the stuff that Stephen King wrote about, you know, society rebuilding, all of this stuff, I liked. But a lot of this episode, that the things that started to bug me were the things that were left unsaid in the book that you're interpreting and understanding how things are going to go on. I can't tell you the number of times in this episode where they explained the stand oh, and they yes. said how the like, words why. The stand happens like three or four times. Yeah. And, and it's just like the out and out saying of these things was like, again, eye rolling to me. And I was like, you're leaving all the things that are like sort of left there to be interpreted and make you ponder mm-hmm. and, and like mull it over in your mind. You're just like, they're, they're telling it all to you in mm-hmm. dialogue, which I wasn't a huge fan of. But then, yeah, they then they leave, and I'll let you react to that first if you want to start talking about passing into Nebraska yeah. and all that so, other stuff. So they go to Nebraska, which is not really an important place in the show because that's not where Mother Abigail was, but I, I think she at one point maybe talks about growing up in uh, Nebraska, so maybe you're supposed to understand that this is like where she used to live or something. Unclear. Having the girl in the, in the cornfield, if it was corn or just tall grass or whatever it was, um, it, it was very unclear to me if that was supposed to be Mother Abigail or like someone else who was working on her behalf. Um, but I, the longer it went on, the more I was like, okay, this has to be Mother Abigail, maybe as a as a child. Um, again, that raises the question: Is this actually her house, or is she just showing up because she can, like, you know, a, you know, create an apparition that it can, a, you know, get in through the grass or something? I don't know. Um, kind of weird, but like overall. This felt like a little short story nestled into the ending here, and it felt like a deliberate attempt on King's part to give Fran a moment to shine, a moment to uh, have a direct confrontation with Flag, which is not given to her at all in the other part of the book, um, and also to throw in a, just a shitload of Stephen King references, because I felt like we had like t- just tons of them, and it felt this felt so much like a Stephen King thing. Like the well, the the grass, the house, the the turtle that we saw up on the shelf at one point. Like there's just so yes. many references. 
it felt like Stephen King going way up his own ass. Like he was like, <laughs> "Let's go!" And uh, if yeah, uh, okay, but that does sound like just being like it was also pretty fun. I, I don't know. Like I'll, I, I'll 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 say why I feel this way. Okay, this episode feels like chaos to someone who knows nothing about Stephen King's universe. If you, I agree. If you don't this is for his fans. You, yeah exactly and i'm fine with that because i am a stephen king fan i like the guy yeah. and i like a lot of things that he's written um and I, I i like i the reference stuff is fun for me but this episode again this episode felt so much like he was just like treading and the other thing let's go back to what you talked about before i read the summary this was like built up and people yeah. kept talking about how this was going to be Overhyped. a new ending to the stand and and it felt like i thought he was going to change pivotal things in the yep. end to give us a new ending. Yeah. What he did was tack on an extra little section that was a fun adventure for Franny and 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 like you said, the the main reason for this scene is to have Franny and and um Flag go head to head, which I like and and I'm fine with and I think that that was a fun decision. It did become extremely confusing when Abigail started to become involved because you're like, okay, so this has got to be larger Stephen King universe stuff because like is she reincarnated? Is Abigail reincarnated? Mm-hmm. She's clearly not, though, because she just disappears at one point. Was she really there? I have to assume yes, because she was affecting things that were She ha- was the, like the in the car and stuff, yeah. Yeah. She, Somebody so, was there, seems like. So s- things were actually happening. So so anyway, let, let's sort of take it chronologically. Uh, Stu leaves. He goes to get some supplies. Franny is like on her own. And you think like I, I assumed that like people were going to roll up marauders or whatever, like people were going to mm. roll up and sort of like uh, and that's not really what happens. She is like flagged into a well. <laughs> he like comes up behind her. Yeah, she. No, well, well, she also just like is is going out on some creaky boards to try and get into this little yes. spigot and um, very questionable scene, but very like old school horror. Like I found it a kind of endearing in a weird way. Where it was mm-hmm. very reminiscent of like just people making really dumb decisions in old horror movies, because um, mm-hmm. like you knew she was gonna fall into that well, like there was no doubt. Um, and then I actually thought it was kind of fun how she like there was a cool camera shot where she reaches into the uh, to the spigot to try and like clear it, and you yeah. see up from underneath it. I thought that was cool. Um, and then she gets bit by. I'm a sure rat. they did that practically, by the way. I guarantee they did that practically. Some sort of like probe lens or something like okay. that to like get into the pipe and shoot that i i assume yeah it looked cool and then um and then she gets she gets bit by a rat and it literally made me jump so it was a nice little jump scare and you know it, it was it felt it, you know jump scares are inherently cheap but again there was sort of a campy like throwback feel to this whole scene um yeah and i was feeling so it. is this is this corn is this like a children of the corn thing it was like this associated in some uh, way like, he also has 1922 i think he has a story called like in the tall grass or something i think that i feel like tall fields and tall grass is a big thing in a lot of king's work i haven't necessarily read all those stories myself but i i'm, I'm aware of them we do see some cornfields and stuff in in mother abigail's yes. visions and we hear about it in in um in the book a lot like that's that's talked about a lot mm-hmm. with abigail um do, oh, were you, should we talk about the fact that she's called mother a and this and this yeah. did that bother you at a little all? bit it just i don't know yeah. it felt kind of like weird i don't know are they trying to like like new school it like I, I like are they trying to like add some i don't know make it different in some way it just felt like a weird choice and yeah me. i didn't really get it yeah why mother a they're always screaming for mother a yeah i don't know it was a weird choice yeah. it didn't it didn't really roll off the tongue so I, i'll agree with you there but um so so then we get flag and he's like in this tropical place but he's also doing his like projection dream thing 
And it's, it's, it's again weird where it's like, where is he actually? And I thought we were in like a dream world, but then we see this, this sort of tribe and then I'm like, oh, okay, this is from the book. So I think it was, again, sort of they're playing with that, like, I don't know, locational thing. Um, I guess Fran would be the one who was projecting at that point to another place or she got pulled over there to talk with him. I thought this was actually some of Skarsgård's better stuff with Flag. I did like this. I did. I thought that he was having a lot of fun. You know what this felt like, too? This felt like the character being written by the man who invented him because it felt more like Flag than I think Flag felt like flag in any other episode. Does that make sense? <laughs> that that's, that's, that sentence. Saying, yeah. um, he felt more flaggy here. Um, and, and and again, it felt like Skarsgård was having fun. Um, and then like trying to kiss her and then she, she bites his lip. You know, I thought that was an interesting little inversion. The, the, the one thing that I did like the, the, you know, to pull, pull back the biblical stuff. She's being tempted, right? She's like, he's like, be my vessel or be my whatever agent, whatever this thing, this summary called it. Um, and, you know, everything will work out fine for you. And that's like the temptation that that like the Antichrist or Satan like is associated with. So like I, I like this scene for the fact that they come face to face and there's that moment. But it just does feel like it was like an attacked on addition. Like it can't not feel like that to me. And that's fair. Um, so, yeah. The, and then, yeah, Mother Abigail shows up in the form of this little girl um, and she saves the day. And then she heals Fran when when Stu finally gets her out of the well. Um, she's got these gruesome injuries, but then she heals her. And that was very reminiscent to me of the original scene that was omitted from the adaptation. Um, yeah. And I don't know. I guess it mostly worked. But uh, again, it it felt like they were just moving something instead of doing something new. So I guess I can, I can see what you're saying there. It's like that scene already existed in the book. You've just moved it. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess give, give credit to King if he wanted to sort of do the Tolkien thing, like, and just like have more endings. Like he threw another one on there and, uh, it definitely felt kind of unnecessary other than it gives, it gives Franny a nice little move, a nice little, like uh, extra bit of story where she gets to confront flag personally. I don't know. I, I, I still think this is one of the stronger episodes, if not if not the strongest. Maybe episode seven. It's between this and episode seven. In in, in this half. In this in, in this, this half. half that we've covered. Okay, good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, I would think. I mean, like I, more than anything, I was just like bugged by the fact that it felt unnecessary, but like overall it was like I, I felt like I I was having more fun with it. I was enjoying it more, even though it, it wasn't perfect. Um Yeah, I could one thing I do want to say is when we jump then, then we jump to Maine yeah. and um uh something my girlfriend pointed out was they it says like a week later Mm -hmm. and then they decide to have the conversation about like what happened back there like oh yeah 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 so what actually happened (laughs) yeah yeah uh my wife said the same thing she was like they didn't talk about it at all (laughs) what about the car ride like you guys just like silent the whole way yeah it was it was kind of a weird thing um yeah i mean it was it was fine i think we get we get something about taking a stand again get set at the end and, and i rolled my eyes so hard too many times that did they say the stand in this um, yeah. again i think people, in a previous episode we talked about that like peter griffin and family guy there's like a little they do like a mini stand. skit where where yeah. he talks about how he reacts whenever they say the title of a movie in the movie and you, it's just him yeah. like pointing and going oh they said it um and then like that's the way i feel every time i hear it now <laughs> i just picture peter griffin getting all excited um and, and yeah we get several of them in the same episode here um, 
but yeah, I, I thought it was a mixed bag, honestly, this final episode, but the show just felt different with King at the helm, uh, King, you know, writing it. Um, I thought there was some really tense moments, um, some true, like, like, like I felt anxious for Fran and, and about what was creeping beyond the, 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 the grass. There was a moment where Kojak is like staring into the field and you can't see what he's looking at. Like genuinely creepy moments that I look at and go like the guy who's writing this knows what he's doing when it comes to horror. Right. And I, I never quite felt that. you know in some of these other episodes well it had been a little bit since we'd felt that right like a lot of the terror had fallen from the show in episode eight and seven and some of these other ones like the the frustrating uh, change with the lincoln tunnel that just felt like a a, a poor shadow of the original scene yeah one of the only scenes of tension that i can even remember and it was like sort of I don't want to call it cheap, I guess, but it was the moment where Kojak goes and fights this wolf. Yeah. When, when Stu, like that was the only other moment that I can remember feeling like tension and like, no, don't let the dog die. Mm, Yeah, I guess so. But I mean, it was still like, it was, it was a a, a sad imitation of what we got in the, in the book, which like you can't, I mean, you would have had to do full CGI animals to like try and get an actual sort of like choreographed fight between a dog and a wolf, much less like three wolves, which is, I think what it is in the book. But um, yeah, I mean, I liked the little nod to that scene because it was such a cool one in the book. Um, yeah, but not and like there were moments throughout the show that that were tense. That's not the I don't mean that's the only one that was that was not this one in the in the entire show. I just mean like it had been a little while and it felt like the show had gone away from some of the stuff that we we had come to expect in the book. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it, man. We're here at the end of the show. Um, we have to make our very first of the year decision for whether or not the show or the book was better, it was the book. I mean, um, yeah, I'm not hmm. going to belabor it, man. It was the book. Um, yeah. I, there's, I mean, if you listen to these episodes yeah. all the way through, I don't think there's a ton to explain. Yeah, it's the book. Um, we, we prefer the book. It's um, not perfect. Both have problems. Yes. But the book... Yeah, I've better. actually been able to... Last week, I, at the end of the episode, I like talked about The Stand, and I've been mulling it over a little more, and I, I still do really, really enjoy it. But I, I, I think thinking about the ending more has made me realize like what like it just felt so i don't know it was bizarre and i don't know if it's that that i need to like reread some of it or like just keep mulling it over but it was a bizarre end to a book and um and yeah i i still enjoy it i think it's still in my top i think it's still in my top few stephen king novels for sure though just because like like i said the characters the journey and the premise are so solid so strong and the journey, the journey is just like it's worth your time invested for those reasons. Yeah. I think at some point it would be fun to to try and rank some Stephen King books, um, but I do want to announce our next project is going to be Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Um, our very next episode will be us covering the first or the entire run. I think it is. It's like six volumes of Scott Pilgrim comics, um, which is going to be it's going to be a lot. But we're going to cover all six of them. Um, and then we'll move on to the Edgar Wright film. That's who it is, right? Edgar Wright, yeah. Yeah, which is exciting. You know, and I remember having a lot of fun when I saw this. I think I saw it when it originally came out, and I don't think I've seen it since. So it's been a while. Yeah, I think th- I think there's a lot of misconceptions about this movie out there. Um, and you know, there are things, there are notable things that people have noticed that are true. But I think this movie gets a bad rap in some ways. With like, um, I feel like people think that it's like it's. I don't know somebody attempting to be nerdy or something like that, but I think it's pretty it's pretty genuine, and I think I think when we watch it, it'll be fun to analyze Edgar Wright's like his dive on it. And I love him as a filmmaker; he's he's incredible. He's he's doing stuff that 
not a lot of people are cool yeah so uh make sure to to stick around for that uh you know as our season continues uh speaking of that we also have a poll up on our patreon right now if you would like to vote on it um we are weighing uh a few different options um uh, uh, women authors that we want to get to um i think there's four options up on there do you remember what they all are i know we got gone girl we got hunger games we got murder on the orient express and Little Women. That was the other one. Um, so those are the four. And if you would like to vote on that poll, it is a patron-only poll. Um, but that will be our project, whichever one wins. I think it's up for another like week or so. Uh, definitely check it quick because it, it will close soon. And then we will have decided what our next project after Scott Pilgrim will be. So, uh, yeah, this this was fun. This was good coverage. Um, I wish the show was better. I still think that this would have benefited from being two seasons. Instead, we got one. And, uh, yeah, it is what it is. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, if you enjoyed all of our coverage, one of the best ways you can let us know is to give us a rating and review on whatever app you use, especially if you're on iTunes, by the way, uh, Apple podcasts. Um, those are sort of the, that's sort of the gold standard of reviews. And it's been a while since we've gotten new ones. So I would love to see a few more pop up on there. That would be really cool. We're, we're at like 75 ish and I would love to get close to close to a hundred. That would be awesome. Yeah, and if you're looking for another way to support us, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash ink to film. We have a lot of great tiers on there. We just got new merch recently that's like for select tiers, and we're really excited about that stuff. So check that out. Bonus episodes monthly, uh, which this the the other version of the stand will almost certainly be one soon, if not this month. I don't know. We haven't decided yet, but it'll come soon. Um, also, if you'd like to connect with us more on social media, we are at Ink to Film on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'd love to see you on there. Thank you to Ross Bugden for the use of our intro and outro music. All right. Another Stephen King epic, gigantic project in the books. We are quickly, slowly, I don't know, depends on how you look at it, becoming yeah. Stephen King experts here, I think, right? <laughs> what is it? Like five, six, seven down, something like that, and like 200 Fif- more to go. 55 more to go or some shit. Yeah, he's written a lot of books. Um, but yeah, always fun. Looking forward to doing more Stephen King in the future, honestly. I'm, I'm sure yeah. we will get to more. Um, but yeah, hopefully you guys stick with us for the rest of the season. Uh, we're just getting started. And until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>